This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Elman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA's Michelle Aboudi speaks with Mika Hollander, co-founder and president of Sustain Natural. So thank you for joining us, Mika. To start, can you describe to those who may not be familiar with Sustain, the products that you offer and what your mission is? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, Sustain is a brand of all natural sexual wellness products. We started over six years ago, first with um, fair trade, (laughs) vagina friendly condoms, and from there sort of expanded into other products in the sexual wellness space. Um, Also added organic cotton period care and some reusable period care products um, more recently. And the whole business and brand was really founded with a mission to change the conversation around female sexuality and move it from a place of shame and stigma to a place of celebration. That's great. So what have you learned along the way um, in starting Sustain, mostly with um, your mission and your business model? Oh, I mean, I've learned so many things. So, I mean, when we started Sustain, it's kind of hard to imagine, you know, what things were like in 2014 when we launched, but it was a really different climate in terms of the conversation around women, sexual and reproductive health and sexuality and reproductive rights. Um, I think that, you know, getting into founding a condom company I knew it would be unique, but I didn't anticipate how challenging it would be in terms of building a business and and a community and a conversation around all this stuff that I mentioned. Um, Things were, and obviously still are, but even back then, just even more increasingly, people were uncomfortable with the idea of a condom company and having that conversation, especially being a young woman um, starting the company. So things were just a lot harder to get going than I had anticipated just because of the nature of the business we were in. And what is also really amazing and was a strange hidden silver lining in what became, you know, the results of the 2016 election was that, you know, following that election, a groundswell of support for just women to have a voice around these topics and and just all topics around sort of gender equality started happening. Um, Obviously the Me Too movement and Time's Up and so many other things that came out of the election and that came out of, for me, a sense of sort of like, you know, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have, you know, this experience or that experience. All voices matter. Women need to speak up. Women have to stand up for themselves. So for the business, um, you know, we'd been trying for so long to bring so many of these topics into sort of the mainstream dialogue. And it was really after that election that the business really took off. And it was 
you know, a lot of the hard work we'd done around the products and the brand and the business model prior, but so much of it was timing um, and this sort of huge shift in dialogue, um, particularly among women. It was very timely, I would say. Um, so you mentioned that it was challenging to get started when you were in the initial phase of raising capital. Was it a hard sell? And what was the reception like when you would pitch to investors? I think you touched on this a bit. Yeah, I think, listen, any, I mean, we sort of had like a trifecta of hard sells. <laughs> Maybe it was two, <laughs> two components, but, you know, being a young woman, I did co-found the business with my older white male, a very experienced father. So he added a lot of credibility but still, you know, I was a founder and would be running the company with him. So that was always, would always make things more challenging. And that's obviously still true today. The second is, you know, anything in what unfortunately is considered a vice category. So CBD, marijuana, condoms, alcohol, tobacco. I mean, unfortunately, sex products are traditionally thought of, you know, as a vice category. And I think that's changing a little bit, but that's really only happened over the last few years. And then the third thing was, you know, we were doing something that had never been done before, which I think obviously can work to your favor greatly. And in a lot of ways it did for us, but condoms marketed to women, um, you know, had never really been done. Trojan had tried and failed. And um, basically since the category had come into existence, women were completely disregarded as a customer group, even though they buy, you know, 40% of condoms are actually purchased by women. So those three things made it challenging, but also interesting, obviously, to the right group of people. Um, but raising capital is just never fun. And, and I don't, you know, if it's too easy, I think you should be wondering why. And obviously, going into what will become you know, this next wave of fundraising and startups and just access to capital coming out of um, the current, you know, coronavirus crisis, things will be radically different, I think, than they are um, today, or at least have been for the last few years. Right. So in the next phase of the company in August 2019, Sustain was acquired by Grove Collaborative, a leading digital first brand and e-commerce platform for natural home and personal care products. How, if at all, was the acquisition Im impacted or amplified your vision for Sustain? And um, has the acquisition changed your reach or your customer base? Yeah, I mean, greatly. I think you know, there have been so many phases and milestones, and obviously the acquisition is a huge one. Um, we got really lucky. I mean, you know, I think the traditional model of a consumer company, you know, exiting is to either IPO or to be bought by a much larger consumer products company like a Unilever, Procter & Gamble, where you're a tiny, 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 tiny piece of their business, um, you're coming into a really established culture and company that's been around for a very long time. And you're going to deal with different types of culture, different types of values, potentially, you know, just different processes. Um, those businesses are built for 
wholesale and retail shelves. And, you know, our business was really built for a digital world. So Grove was really interesting and, and has been such an amazing amplification of our business and our, our mission because Grove is, as you said, it's a business, a consumer products company and retailer that built itself, you know, in the digital era. I mean, they're only, you know, a year or two older than Sustain is. Um, and they're very, very focused on sustainability and we share a lot of values in that realm. So the integration was pretty seamless and what we were able to do, which at least for me has been one of the most exciting parts is access to a different type of customer. Um, I think when you look at a brand like Sustain or any of the sort of D to C consumer companies, you tend to see that they focus on targeting sort of urban millennials, like our two biggest states by a landslide pre-acquisition were New York and California. That was a huge concentration of our customers. I think it was probably like 80% or 70, you know, some, some crazy high percentage. And I always wondered, you know, how are we going to evolve our messaging and, and just have a broader reach or our marketing vehicles and stuff like that. And Grove is the opposite. I mean, Grove has built its business in the middle of the country and has really appealed to people who are trying natural products for the first time, who don't have a Whole Foods, you know, a couple miles away. So with this partnership and acquisition sustain has now, you know, I think now our four biggest states and our New York, California, Texas, and Florida. Um, and that's not like the main concentration of the business. So we've really quickly been able to grow the business, grow our impact um, by reaching new and different types of customers who had had no access to these types of products before and didn't understand sort of why you would want to switch to natural period care, natural sexual wellness products. Um, and, you know, for me and for our team, um, there there's a lot that goes into running a business in terms of people and culture and supply chain and finance and operations and all of these different components. And some of them I think I'm good at, and some of them I think I'm okay at, and some of them I'm just not that good at. And so being able to optimize our team to focus on the things that we're great at and things that I really enjoy, I think has just enabled us to be much more impactful in evolving and growing the business and obviously also the brand. You mentioned your team. How big is it and what is your operating budget like? Well, our team is now, we don't really have a sustain only team. There's a couple, you know, a handful of people at Grove who only focus on sustain, but for the most part, sustain, Gro Grove has a, a few of their own brands. So there's Grove Home, there's a tree-free paper line called Seedling. We have a personal care brand and a vitamin brand. Brands that only exist on Grove's site. Sustain's a little different because it's owned by Grove, but it exists at Whole Foods and on Amazon. Um, but today, you know, Sustain is a part of a lot of people's job. Um, it's not a separate team within the organization. Right. That makes sense. So what is your best-selling product with Sustain specifically? You know, our condoms and our tampons are really neck and neck pretty much all the time. 
That's great. How do you decide which products to launch and bring under your brand? That's a good question. I mean, it's been interesting, especially, you know, being part of Grove, there's a whole product development team and we have really interesting and great conversations around different product categories that Grove wants to get into and does it make sense under the sustain brand or not, or, you know, should we launch a new brand? Um, So at the end of the day, it really goes back to our mission and sort of like our customer. What does she come to sustain for? What does she know us for? What does she trust us for? And what categories sort of make sense as an extension onto what we're currently doing? But ultimately, and this has really always been the goal, you know, we want to be with her from her first period to her post-menopausal, you know, vaginal dryness or incontinence. So there's so many different moments throughout our lives where we're experiencing things that are just traditionally not talked about. Um, And I think for Sustain, it's all about having real conversations about all of those moments and providing healthier solutions um, to deal with them. So as a brand with a strong social mission, I understand Sustain has many certifications, cruelty-free, fair rubber, USDA organic, just to name a few, but there are also limitations to certifications. Do you have any mechanisms or does Grove have, have any mechanisms Um, in place to know your supply chain and support human rights and social issues? How do you have a view of your supply chain and ensure that it continues to be sort of the healthiest, best products? Yeah. I mean, what's been great about Grove is, you know, we went from supply chain management and certification management being a piece of someone's job who had a million other things to do to now there's, you know, a team dedicated at Grove to managing supply chain, sustainability, certification, sort of uh, compliance, and working with our factories and our suppliers and our um, certifiers really at a much deeper level than we were doing before. So, you know, for me, it's always been about first, just building relationships and spending time with the people that we're partnering with and really trying to understand sort of what they're doing, why they're doing it, what motivates them. I mean, I think you have to have a level of trust with the people you're partnering with in terms of your supply chain. And then from there, it's just a really sort of rigorous management around managing the certifications and managing that your supply chain is sort of in line with them. Um, Some of these certifications have to get renewed every year. So we're auditing really regularly and some of them are less frequent. but we're still, you know, in contact with our supply chain and different aspects of it. That's really important. So Sustain has an active and engaging social media presence. Can you talk about your marketing strategy overall and how your customers connect with you on social platforms? Yeah, I mean, our social community is like one of the most exciting and I think impactful pieces of what we've built. We, from day one, um, made a real point of never sugarcoating or sort of doing anything that was traditional, quote unquote, marketing from these types of categories. So we've never glamorized periods or um, what it's like to clean up 
or wipe up after sex or, you know, it's all about just being really real and, and creating a space where our community feels like they can both engage with us and trust us and, you know, ask questions that they would not feel comfortable going to other places with, but also that they feel like, you know, I've always said like education is one of our most important pillars. And so our community has been built because we have customers who feel two things. One, they feel like we're providing them with education and information around sexual and reproductive health. That they're just not getting in a, you know, sex positive, comprehensive way um, from their parents or sex ed in school or their friends or their doctors. So we're not a group of doctors and, and we would never try and replace that. But I just think there's a lack of open sex positive conversations around these topics that we've tried to enable. And the other thing is, you know, the second thing we hear all the time is just like, thank you for kind of like having our back. We do a lot of activism and a lot of advocating for everyone everywhere um, around different types of bills and issues um, and partner with different organizations because you know, what we're doing is a piece of what we're trying to solve, right? It's not like Sustain is going to redefine how the world <laughs> thinks about female sexuality. I mean, maybe, um, not tomorrow, but there's a lot of other pieces of the puzzle, whether it's sex education or ingredient transparency around um, period products, stuff like that. And so we, you know, our community is really with us because we provide them with education and just a space for honest dialogue, as well as an opportunity for them to engage and also sort of follow along on what we're trying to do from an activist standpoint. Yeah, I, I really love all the Instagram posts that Sustain has. So I think it's definitely developing a, a great community. Um, do you think it has been a key to your success having that social media presence? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, you know, it's a really strong expression of the brand and the mission. And I think for us, you know, there's sort of when I think about the business and the brand and the success, I think like the three pillars are the product, like creating you know, really incredible one-of-a-kind product that will change women's lives, which I do believe um, our products do and fulfill. And then second is the community, which is social media, you know, I mean, email too, but community is built digitally for the most part um, these days. And so social media has built our community and our community has built our social media. Um, and the third is obviously the people. I wish you know, I will pass along your kudos to the social media team because I am certainly not allowed to post anything anymore. <laughs> um, when you co-founded the company, did you anticipate becoming a spokesperson for body positivity and sexual wellness? Was that a goal? It's so funny. Somebody just asked me this question the other day. Um, it wasn't a goal. It wasn't something that I was like, okay, this is a part of the job description. But, you know, as we got going, it just became so obvious that 
I had to make a decision, you know, was I going to be comfortable being the face of, you know, I was 26 years old um, and do I want to be the face of a condom company. And like, the thing was, if we were going to really try and redefine this conversation, and at the time, it was really about redefining, you know, a woman who carries condoms is a hero, not a slut. <laughs> She's taking control of her, you know, sexual health. Um, I had to, I had to sort of like represent that. And I think that's been hugely impactful to the brand. And I think it's also because our community and customers have felt like I'm, I guess, accessible, you know, I'm not older or, you know, out of touch, like I'm, I'm the age and have been sort of along for the ride with most of our customers. Um, and I have shared many of my own struggles and moments around these topics and other things. Um, so I think it's been a really important piece of what we've built. Absolutely. What's next for Sustain? What's next is really, you know, a focus on, as I've been talking about, um, education and sex education. I think that I've done a lot of, especially sort of going through this acquisition and what what is next for Sustain. Um, I've done a lot of sort of thinking about everything we've done and everything we've learned and every issue we've taken on and, and, and all the issues we've tried to solve and the statistics we've tried to change. And, you know, we've changed some really crazy statistics. Like when we started, only 21% of single women were using condoms regularly. And that number's 24% today. I mean, that's crazy. And I'm not going to be crazy and take all the credit for that. But I really fundamentally believe, you know, now as a leading condom brand, we were a part of that. So I've just been thinking a lot about what is next and where do we focus our energy. Um, and it, it really, for me, is about sex education. I think that if we can, through our content and our community and our experts that we tap into, and from a um, sort of activist standpoint, move the world towards a place of you know, sex positive, comprehensive sex education, I just think it will greatly help address so many issues um, that we've tried to tackle, whether it's condom usage rates, consent, you know, people understanding or teens understanding the difference between porn and sex. And, you know, just there's so many things that we've tried to talk about, and we've tried to educate on and change conversations around or um, you know, I think sex education to me feels like that thing that threads it all together. So we'll be really focusing this year on a couple different initiatives around that. That's great. Um, so our final two questions, um, what do you see as the biggest sustainability challenge we have to take on during 2020? You know, I guess for me and for me, it's actually maybe a little unrelated to sustain and, and, but not totally unrelated because it's very integral to Grove. Um, Grove just announced last week that we're going to be a hundred percent plastic free by 2025. Um, and I actually, it's, you know, it's interesting. I just hadn't focused on plastic as an issue and it's not the only issue in climate. I mean, I think overpopulation and, and, you know, single use items, there's so much that's going to impact um, the climate crisis that we're dealing with. But 
for me, like it, right now, it feels like focusing individuals focusing on their impact um, through single use items is something that is really important. Yes. So what do you see as the biggest challenge in your day-to-day -day work in sustainability? I mean, actually, you know what? It is going to be the virus. And I don't think it's going to be for a short period of time. I think what's really challenging with times like these is, you know, when we're in a situation where there's a pandemic and, uh, you know, the start of a financial collapse and crisis, these are the types of things that get cut from budgets and that people stop focusing on, right? Sustainability is critical and it's become so well integrated into so many different business models over the last 10 years. And I think particularly in the last year, like, you know, sustainability is no longer a differentiator. It's like a mission critical element of your business and what you're trying to build. But I, I, we, I do feel that one of the greatest ways to drive impact around sustainability and climate change is businesses, um, you know, really changing the way that they operate and manufacture. And I wonder and worry about how that will get impacted by um, the current crisis. Yeah, I work in consumer goods, and that's a constant question as of the last few weeks or months really at this point. Um, but I really thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Um, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay mindful. Keep up with the latest news from Sustain, including new products and other information by following them on all social channels and visiting trysustain.com or grove.co. Join us for the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, May 1st. We'll be speaking with writer Elizabeth Segrin. For the complete lineup and other news, visit us at impactreportpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Bard MBA in Sustainability is one of a select few graduate programs globally that fully integrates sustainability into a core business curriculum. Learn more at bard.edu/mba.